0: We are continuing a message series today that we've been sharing for the last three uh, weeks and uh, it's called Mountaintop Marriage. We believe with all of our heart that God wants every married couple to have a mountaintop experience and I think you understand what I mean when I say that. The mountaintop uh, symbolically is that place of serenity. It's that place uh, where we're at peace with God and at peace with ourselves and uh, and, and it's that place also that we often think of as a place of achievement or conquest, you know. And, and I think that God wants all of that uh, to be kind of what we know within the context of marriage. But there's something else about the mountaintop that I want you to consider with me today. And that is, uh, I want to talk to you about how mountains have always been looked at as uh, a means of fortifying one's existence as a means of protecting one from uh, as a people group from threats that you might have for centuries really for millennia uh, people's group have seen uh, those mountain ranges in kind of a, a protective um, a, a, a protective way. And uh, I want us to really kind of just think about that and 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 really pull that into our a quest together to have this mountaintop marriage. First, let me tell you real quickly about a, a story that I heard about a, a robber that was breaking in uh, to this house. He had been uh, really kind of just checking the place out for weeks to make his plans. He knew that the family was on vacation and so he would have easy access. He breaks into the home, dead of night. It's pitch black. He's walking through the home when all of a sudden he hears a voice in the darkness say, Jesus is watching you. And I'm telling you, it was alarming to him because he's been casing this place for weeks. He knows there's no one there and yet he knows he's heard this voice. Jesus is watching you. And so it frightens him. He turns around to creep back out and leave. When he hears the voice again, Jesus is watching you. Well, now his curiosity gets the best of him. So he pulls out a flashlight, turns it on, begins to go around the room. And all of a sudden, the beam of his flashlight lands on a bird cage with a parrot in the cage who once the light hits him says, Jesus is watching you. And he's so frustrated and he thinks to himself, I am gonna wring your neck. He starts to take a step that direction. And all of a sudden he hears this low guttural growl just beneath him. And he takes his light and he puts it down into the face of a very large, very angry Rottweiler. And as he sees it, he hears across the room, sick him, Jesus. I love that story. I love that story. Um, I think it speaks to the fact that, hey, we need to protect our homes, right? And how many know God wants your home protected? God wants your relationship. To be one that is secured. God wants to fortify our marriages. And I believe with all my heart that a mountaintop marriage really is a fortified marriage. It's a marriage that is secure. A marriage that is protected. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to study the scriptures together today. We're going to look to God's word together. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 20 says, Guard what God has placed in your care. Guard what God has placed in your care. He goes on to say, don't pay attention to godless, stupid talk that sounds smart, but really isn't. He says, guard what God has placed in your care. God absolutely wants us to be stewards. And he wants us acting responsibly towards what he's put in our care. And aside from our relationship with God himself, there is nothing that we should have higher up on our list of priorities to guard and to protect than our marriage relationship. God said, guard what I've placed into your care. And so we've got to, as couples, put those protective measures in place. As we do, uh, what we are doing is we are building kind of a, a hedge, a a wall, uh, 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 some means of protecting our relationship from a very real enemy. Do y'all know your marriage has an enemy today? Jesus described him in John 10 verse 10 and said he's a thief and that he wants to steal and kill and to destroy your marriage. But listen, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. And we need to guard our marriage. We need to be very, very careful to do so. Mountaintop marriages, I believe, will work diligently to fortify their relationship. So if you're going to have a mountaintop marriage, you've got to work towards securing it. You've got to work towards protecting it. I love Psalm 124. Verse 2 reads like this. As the psalmist is inspired... By the Holy Spirit to write this beautiful, beautiful psalm. Here's what he says Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Somebody else say, Thank God. In fact, this would be a great prayer for you and your spouse to pray over your life and over your home every day where you come together and you say, Lord, even as the mountains surround Jerusalem, we ask you to surround us on all sides and fortify and protect our home, our marriage, our relationship. I'd like to call your attention to a mountain range, a certain mountain range. In Old Testament scripture, it's most often talked about in Old Testament scripture. Uh, It's called Mount Horeb in some places. In other places, it's known as Mount Sinai. That would be the name that you're probably more familiar with. You know that Mount Sinai was that place where Moses met with God and God gave him the law that would govern his people. He gave him the Ten Commandments. Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are actually the same place. It's the same mountain, two different names for the same mountain, and uh, it's interesting because the name Sinai in the Hebrew literally means a place of thorn bushes. Now, here's why that's interesting to me. In the time that the Bible was written, especially in this part of the world, thorn bushes were used as a protective measure. They would actually build hedges around what was important to them with these thorn bushes, not just to keep stuff in, but more importantly, to keep threats out. Isn't it interesting that God gave mankind his 10 commandments, his laws, he gave them those laws on a mountain called the mountain of Thornbushes. I think he's sending a message to us. I think what he wants you to know is that if you'll do things his way and follow his word, you can protect your home. You can fortify your marriage. You can secure your relationship. And so we need to begin to build that fortification. We need to build those hedges around our relationship. And I wanna talk to you for just a few minutes here this morning on how to do that. How do we protect our marriages? Number one, we admit our vulnerabilities. Why don't we start right now? How many of you recognize you have some weaknesses? Raise your hand. Okay, the rest of you are lying and we will be having an altar call later. We all have weaknesses. The truth is, we all have strengths, thank God for them, but we also all have weaknesses. We have areas of vulnerability where we're we're more susceptible in those areas to temptation than we are to others. And it's so important that we acknowledge that. Self-awareness is a very important thing. When you're not aware of your own weaknesses because you're just maybe in denial or you're ignoring some truth, some reality about yourself. Listen, uh, when, when you're not living in a way that you're really self-aware, it's a dangerous place to be. It's a place where the enemy can absolutely easily pull you down. So we need to be self-aware, but it doesn't need to stop there. We need to make someone else aware as well. Can I just say it this way? Everybody doesn't need to know your struggle, but somebody needs to know your struggle. And one of the most important things couples can do is be honest with one another about the areas of weakness and vulnerability that we all have. And when we do get to a place where we're honest about that, God can bless that honesty. It's gonna be the first step towards really securing your home, securing your marriage relationship. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul is dealing with some insecurities of his own. He's dealing with some vulnerabilities. He refers to those vulnerabilities as a thorn in the flesh, and he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. He wants God to take it from him. And I want you to hear what God tells him in response to his prayer. God, take away this weakness. Take away this vulnerability. God said, my grace is all you need. My power, God said, works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, Paul said, so that the power of Christ can work through me. The moment you get honest with yourself, with God and with others about that area of weakness is when God's strength can move in and really fortify your life and really fortify your marriage. On the other hand, pride will always leave you defenseless. Pride will always leave you defenseless. If you let pride keep you from owning that area of weakness and being honest about it, then pride will eventually be the way that Satan uses to to take you down. Here's a second measure. As couples, I want to see you, I believe God wants to see you take in order to kind of build up those hedges of protection around your relationship. Number two, be accountable. Yes, we have weaknesses. Yes, we have vulnerabilities and we need to be accountable to someone for them. I'll say again, everybody doesn't need need to know your business. Everybody doesn't need to know what that struggle is but some key people do need to know so they can keep you covered in prayer and so that they can ask the hard questions to you. I wonder if you have anybody in your life asking you those questions hard questions, those uncomfortable questions, those questions that you absolutely desperately need someone asking you. Galatians chapter six, verse one through five reads like this, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And then watch what he instructs us. He says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Keep watch on yourself. Remember he, the Bible's telling us to set up those safety precautions, to, to be on our guard, to guard things that have been entrusted to us. He said, so keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. And then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, so here's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, we all have these vulnerabilities. We need to take responsibility for them we need to safeguard against the area of weakness that we have, and one of the ways you're gonna do it is by allowing someone to bear that burden with you. You try to bear it by yourself and the devil's going to take you down. But if you'll share the burden, uh, with someone that, again, will hold you accountable, will pray for you, will ask you those difficult questions. Listen, you can bear up under that, and you can secure your life, and you can, conser- you can secure your marriage. Um, so years ago, when I was a young man, I had some real areas of vulnerability and weakness within my life that was really unattended. I, I was in denial. I wasn't really dealing with it like I should. And the enemy would often prey on me in that area. I was a young uh, Christian, I was a young husband, and I was a young pastor. And um, I remember like yesterday, there were uh, in in those days some televangelists that I really looked up to, and if you've lived as long as I have, you remember the scandal among so many televangelists in the late 1980s. Um, I'll never forget the day that this gentlemen that I looked to that I really wanted to emulate with my life and ministry. Uh, I was driving home on I-49 here to Lafayette when the news broke that he had fallen uh, into just a gross form of immorality. It shook me to the core of my being. Y'all, I began to, as I'm driving along, literally, I began to sob, I began to weep. I had to pull off on the shoulder of the road. Certainly a part of that sorrow that I felt was towards him and everything that he stood to lose because of this, this sin. But if I'm being honest with you, my tears weren't just for him. My tears were for me. Because I knew in that moment if the devil could take him down, he could sure take this young guy down. And, and I heard the Holy Spirit speak so clearly to me that day on the side of the interstate. I heard him ask me, Jeff, who's asking you the hard questions? Who, who do you answer to? Who knows about your struggle? And I didn't have anybody. There was not one person I could point to, but that all changed that day. As soon as I got home, I got on the phone. I called a trusted friend that was a little bit further along spiritually than I was, someone I knew I could trust, and I confided in him. And from that day forward, he would hold me accountable. He would pray for me. He would check on me regularly and ask me how I was doing in that area. Look at me. If you don't have someone like that, you need to put someone like that in place within your life today. Don't put it off. If you're going to fortify your marriage, listen, you got to get honest about your vulnerabilities, and you've got to safeguard against them by being accountable. Number three, you've got to commit as a couple to intimacy. I said last week, I want to say again, sex is God's gift to married couples. I realize and understand that our world is just, sexually insane. Can we be honest about it? I mean, they're obsessed and sexually insane. And there's so much perversion within, you know, uh, the world of sexuality as it relates to our fallen world. We don't need to let that cause us as married couples to, to, to overlook celebrating the intimacy that God has given to us as a gift within the holy institution of matrimony God's given us that and we need to enjoy that and I'm telling you that as we enjoy one another as we satisfy one another our marriage partner as, as, as we as we come together along these lines listen it will fortify your marriage I want to read you a passage of scripture that's very enlightening here it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 5 the bible said don't each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so that you can give yourself more completely to prayer. Afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You see what happens when couples neglect intimacy. The enemy gets a foothold and he can take you down because of a lack of self- control in this area. It's interesting to me because uh, if you know my story. Don and I were in student ministry for 17 years. And as student pastors, it seemed like one of our main jobs was to try to convince students to stay sexually pure until marriage. We tried to keep them out of bed together, right? We, we tried to explain to them. And by the way, just in case you were confused on this, hey, do y'all know that even in America in the 21st century in 2019, sex outside of marriage is still sin. Whether it's premarital sex or extramarital sex, it's still sin. God still causes sin. So as youth pastors, we regularly challenge students, hey, stay sexually pure, wait for that marriage partner, right? And so we were trying to keep them out of bed together. Now for 20 years, I've been serving as a lead pastor, talking to adults, and it seems my assignment is to try to get y'all back in bed together. (laughs) I'm just telling you, as we counsel so often, the problem revolves around an unhealthy Sex life where you're neglecting one another. And look, that's not the will of God. Satan wants to do everything he can to get you in bed together before marriage and then keep you out of bed together after you're married. Because at the end of the day, his his agenda is to destroy you. Whatever it takes, he's going to try to destroy you. It's interesting because I read from 1 Corinthians chapter. 7 verse 5 says don't deprive each other of sexual relations. The old King James version of the Bible actually used the word it uses the word defraud. Don't defraud one another. To me that takes it to another level. I mean, it's as though the Bible is saying if you're capable of a healthy sex life and you're not engaged regularly as a couple, it's a fraudulent marriage that you're in. Anybody uncomfortable yet? Y'all uncomfortable? Y'all ready for me to move on to my next next topic? Uh, Here's how we're gonna fortify our marriages. Here's how we're going to build those hedges of protection. We're gonna admit our vulnerabilities and we're gonna get accountable for those areas of weakness. And then we're gonna commit to intimacy within marriage. Number four, the next thing you need to do is keep romance alive. Keep romance alive. Every married couple in this room had a season of courtship or dating. And within that season of dating, you did some things to win one another's affection. Can I say something very clear to every married couple in this room? Listen to me. The same thing that won his heart will keep his heart. The same thing that won her affections will keep her affections. You just don't give up on them. You keep courtship alive right on into the marriage. 10 years after you're married, 20 years after you're married, come on, y'all, 40 years after you're married, you're still courting one another and keeping romance alive. You think you were uncomfortable with that last point that I made? Wait till you hear this passage I'm about to read to you right now. It's from Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5, starting in verse 15, says, drink water from your own well, share your love only with your wife. So water here is a metaphor for intimacy with your spouse. And he said, drink water from your own well. And then he goes on in verse 16 and says, why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves as a couple. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She's a loving dear, a graceful doe. When's the last time you told her that? She's a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breasts satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman or fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman? What is the wisdom of God's word sharing with us here today? Listen, keep romance alive. Keep the courtship going. Have date nights regularly, just you and her, out on the town, having a great time. Write those little love notes that they find and are so surprised by. Buy those little gifts, those little trinkets that remind your spouse you were thinking about them while you were away out of town. Say those sweet nothings to one another. Because you know what? They're not nothings. They're something. There's something God can use to build a hedge with that will protect your the next thing that I wanna to point to that I think builds that hedge of protection is you creating boundaries with the opposite sex. And once again, we live in a world today in the 21st century here in the West where anything goes. We cannot align ourselves with the fallen wisdom of this world and hope to escape what's plaguing this world around us. And we need to draw some serious boundaries between ourselves and members of the opposite sex. Look at me, if you're married, you've got no business having intimate conversations with someone who's not your wife or not your husband. You have no business <laughs> confiding things in them. You have no business being alone with them. You have no business uh, making uh, another woman. If you're married guys, your bestie, your, 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 your friend that you do everything with and hang out with, or. or the opposite is true as well. Hey, uh, gals, you can't make some guy the person you really enjoy hanging out with. You're married. All of that belongs within the context of your marriage. We gotta draw some serious boundaries if we're gonna protect our marriage. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28 says anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Can I say this to you? Adultery is emotional long before it's ever physical. Long before it ever gets to physical intimacy, we begin to allow the enemy to build up these fantasies in our heart of what it might be like if. Listen, you can't go there you have pledged yourself, body and soul, to one person for a lifetime before God. And we got to draw those healthy boundaries. Is it okay if we just deal with what we need to deal with here? Number six, we've got to work at communication. we got to really, really work at communication. Because, y'all, we're not good at it. I, can I just, I'm going to bear my soul with you. So I communicate as my calling. I communicate for a living. And I'm not good at it. I'm just telling you right now, I have to work at it. When we were uh, young, uh, starting out our marriage, we've always lived away from home ever since we uh, got married. And, um, and I've always tried to stay in touch with my family. And I would be on the phone with my mom and dad a couple of times a week. And we might talk 30 minutes. And I'd hang up the phone after a 30-minute conversation with my parents and walk into the next room where Donna is. Hey, what'd your mom and dad say? Y'all wanna guess what I, my answer was? <laughs> Nothing. Oh, I see. I see you're there. I could, I could be at work eight or 10 hours, come home and Donna asked me, what'd you do today? Not much. What are they paying you for? You know what I'm saying? As a young man, I literally, literally had to take some measures. As I began to realize that wounded my spouse, that hurt her heart. She wanted to share these things with me. And so I literally had to take measures as practical as when I'm talking to mom and dad, jot a few things down that I can let her know we talked about after the conversation's over. During the day, jot a few things down that happened that I want to make sure. If, I, if Again, if I'm just bearing my soul, listen, there's nothing through the years that has wounded my spouse more than her finding out something about me through a third party that I didn't let her know about. And that's something I've had to get very intentional about because it wasn't my intention to hurt her, but neither was I making it my uh, intention to always bring her in the loop. And that's what she needed from me. We need that from one another. We need to communicate. Come on, let's have a Bible study. Come on, y'all, let's have a Bible study. I'm going to give you three verses. I could give you dozens under this one area. Let me start with James chapter one, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. If we would just do that, it would revolutionize our marriages. If we just do that, let me give you another verse. Proverbs chapter 15, verse one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many times has your spouse asked you about something and you're preoccupied with something and all of a sudden you're answering them sharply, you're short with them, you're ugly with them, and you're just driving a wedge right between you and her or you and him and it doesn't need to happen in our homes. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. What's the Bible telling us as couples? Our communication should build each other up, not tear each other down. We should use the power of communication to build up our spouse, to build up our marriage, not tear it down in any way. The next thing that I want to talk to you about Is this, if you're gonna fortify your marriage, if you're gonna raise up a hedge of protection, you've gotta just say no to porn. Look, we're just, we're getting real here, y'all. Almost everyone in this room and those watching online, almost everyone have viewed porn at some time. Many are viewing it regularly. And I'm telling you right now, studies have proven that pornography absolutely destroys intimacy in a marriage. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Clinical study after one after another have proven it destroys intimacy. It's also proven that pornography is highly addictive. Did you know that the same endorphins in a man's brain that is released when they use certain drugs, popular drugs, Those same endorphins are released when he views pornographic material, and it's highly, highly addictive. What are you saying? Jeff, I'm saying this. Listen, I'm saying if you're currently struggling in this area, we can help you. We long to help you. He still sets the captive free, and we've got measures that we can put in place to help you in your life that'll help you get free from all of that, but if you haven't, Viewed pornography, then don't. Make a commitment that you will not. I love Job 31, verse one. The words of Job, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman. I would that every man here today would make that covenant with me. You'd make that covenant with your eyes, with your God, with your spouse. Hey, we're not gonna fall into the trap of pornography. We know the enemy's trying to take us down. Number Eight. I got another way to build that hedge of protection. And that is that you establish a budget and stick with it. That's right. I just moved from pornography to budgeting money. <laughs> just like that. I mean, that quickly. And, and we laugh about that. But, but do you want to know the two topics of conversation that most often arise when we're talking to couples in counseling that are in conflict? Sex and money. It's just reality. So many marriages are ending because of the frustration of people who won't act responsibly with their spending. I wish that every couple in this room would take us up on our opportunity that we give you every semester to go through Financial Peace Small Group. Dave Ramsey is an absolute genius in helping us to understand the principles of God's word as it relates to money management. He, his materials... Again, and they're just all scriptural principles. They'll help you to get out of debt, stay out of debt. They'll help you to budget your money and they'll help you to begin to build wealth over time. And I wish that everyone would take us up on that. God wants to help you. 1 Corinthians chapter four, verse two said, it's required of stewards. And that's what we are. We're just simply stewards of the life that we've been given. And he said, it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Mismanagement of finance is one of the greatest contributors to uh, marital conflict that we deal with every week. Number nine, how can we have that mountaintop marriage? How can we stand together on Mount Sinai, the mountain of thorns where where God fortifies our marriage and, and keeps our enemies at bay? Well, you're gonna to have to be honest about your vulnerabilities, admit them, you're gonna to have to be accountable to someone, you're gonna to have to commit to intimacy with your marriage partner and keep romance alive, you're gonna to have to create boundaries with the opposite sex, work at communication with your spouse, just say no to porn, establish a budget and stick with it, and the number nine, be fiercely loyal. Be fiercely loyal to one another. I love Ruth chapter one and... This isn't an exchange between a husband and wife. It's between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. But I love the spirit of this pledge. Ruth tells Naomi, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Isn't that the pledge you made to each other at the marriage altar? Till death do we part. And we need to be fiercely loyal to one another. What does that look like, Jeff? I'm so glad you asked. Here's Here's what that looks like. It means you avoid comparisons. Avoid comparisons. Avoid language like, Well, so-and-so's wife always does X, Y, and Z. Avoid comparisons, avoid criticism. I dare you this week to keep mental inventory on how many times you start to say, you always dot, 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 dot. Avoid comparisons, avoid criticisms, and avoid cynicism. Don't be cynical towards the holy union that God has brought you into together. Look at me, look at me, y'all. This is a holy union. We can't be cynical about it. We've got to act in faith towards God and towards one another. Let's be fiercely loyal. And then lastly, number 10, we talked a little bit about this last week, but I'll wrap up my talk today with this. Pray together, pray together. I want to challenge every man in this room. I want to challenge you daily to take your your wife by the hand and lead her in prayer. Look at me. I don't care if she's been saved for 12 years and you haven't been saved but just a couple of months and you see her as much more spiritual than you are. That doesn't matter. Look at me. That doesn't matter. God still says you're the head of your home. And I, I challenge you. Your prayer doesn't have to be eloquent. You don't have to get all the phrasing right. Just take her by the hand and call on God out of the depths of your heart with her and say, God, thank you for my wife. God, bless our marriage. God, give us wisdom to know how to love each other and do this right. Just begin to. Lead your spouse in prayer. And I'm telling you, that simple measure alone can absolutely revolutionize your relationship. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, Jesus said, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. And I brought out last week, I'll bring out again today, He's talking here about the prayer of agreement. There is no more powerful form of the prayer of agreement than the prayer of agreement between a husband and wife. It's a powerful thing that hell cannot contend with. And so come together, pray together. Someone once said, the couple that prays together stays together. And that's exactly what God's will is for your marriage. I'll close with this. I believe that a disciplined approach towards these protective measures a disciplined approach where, I mean, you get disciplined to put all this in place, the communication, the intimacy, uh, the boundaries between you and the opposite sex, on and on and on, the budget, all of it. A disciplined approach towards these protective measures will fortify your relationship and will give you a mountaintop marriage. It will absolutely give you all the inspiration, all of the serenity, all of the, the sense of achievement. It'll give you all of that. It'll give you that mountaintop marriage. But if you don't discipline yourself and you don't put that hedge of protection in place, you'll never know that mountaintop. In fact, here's what Proverbs 25 and verse 28 says, a person without self-control. You might even say a couple, a married couple without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A couple's like a city with broken down walls. Stop right now, close your eyes in this room. Close your eyes, those of you watching online. Just close your eyes. I want you to look at your marriage right now and I want you to look around you. Are those walls there that I've described? Is that marriage fortified? Is it secure? Or as you look around your marriage right now in your mental eye, with your mental eye, are you seeing broken down walls because of a lack of discipline in these areas? Today, I call on you again. Climb with me. Climb with Donna and I. Let's get these measures in place. Let's secure our home. Let's get to the top of Sinai. And let's let God give us a fortified mountaintop marriage.